It's the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the week eight edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Tank Piper here with Rob Antonell, getting into the heart of football season, squat tober. Hope everybody's getting their heavy back squats in. Um, I'm Right up top, going to apologize if I violently cough into or around this microphone tonight. Not feeling too hot, but we're podcasting through it. You know, some people might call me a hero for that. Not my words, but people are saying. Um, it's not true. You know what? I Like I said, I'm not saying it, but people are saying. Okay. Uh, They're not. There are people out there, I'm sure. <laughs> Just not about you. People are saying. People are saying. Moving along. Um, right off rip, like, if y'all want us to talk about anything next week, since really all there is is a JV game against the Canadian prep team, not necessarily going to be much content. So, you know, tell us what you want to hear. Do you want, like, a season review, an extended preview of McKinley? We will talk about literally any and everything you want us to talk about. doesn't have to be mass and football. doesn't have to be football. We'll argue about anything. We will sit here and ramble on about whatever you want us to ramble on until our little hearts are content. So, all that being said, we did have a game against Middletown, Delaware last Friday night. Looked kind of uh, shaky at first, but we got, you know, we got it going. And uh, final score, I mean... Ended up being a bit of a bigger ass kicking than I think that even implies. So, you know, what do you think of the game, Rob? I know you didn't catch much, so you don't have to keep on talking like you really saw much of it. I did see some of it. Um, so right off the bat, you know, Middletown came out and they drove down, scored on us, got the ball back, went down, and scored again. Uh, I mean, I thought from the get go that they were a little bit better than some people were making them out to be. Uh, I mean, they still aren't an amazing team. I, I think we, we knew that part, but there were, you know, some people just thought it was just a trash team. They come out and walk all over, and you know, we watched the film together, and they didn't seem that bad, right? You yeah. know, we, I, I think we expected to win, but didn't expect it to be just 50 to nothing type of game. So I think they came out ready to play, and the beginning of the game, you know, kind of a wake-up call for us so yeah we had to put it together after that but uh you know they, they came they got there uh put it together put up some points uh defense did step up there you know the first two drives getting up some points but then after that pretty solid um in general from keeping them out of the end zone so uh good job there yeah um i think what you said without saying is Middletown came to play. It didn't seem like we really came out and took this game as seriously as we should have those first couple of drives. We came out, seemed kind of flat, at least to what we had been seeing. And there is going to be a calm down a little bit after a game like Ed's, after a game like Fitch. You know, these kids, they're they're humans. They're not robots. It's, it's human nature to look at a team like that and 
especially after what we just did and to be like okay you know we can take it easy a little bit whether you whether that's a conscious thought or not it's still there floating around in your head somewhere Mm -hmm. um yeah like you said you know they looked fine on tape um i think i'm just more down a little bit on delaware football as a whole so that's what i was kind of comparing that to in my head uh they did come out and seem a lot better than like you said like we saw i think the quarterback his arm talent made up made up for a lot of not lack of skill outside but it just seemed like they had a bunch of like average to decent high school receivers and that quarterback was making them look like dudes sometimes he was throwing frozen ropes all night um, those first couple of drives, I think our defense played a little more passively than mm-hmm. normal. And I don't mean the players themselves. I just mean the play calls. It didn't seem like we were blitzing much. We weren't getting the quarterback off a spot. We weren't making them uncomfortable. We were just sitting back in coverage, kind of feeling out how are they wanting to attack us. And then later on in the game, as it as we got going, we started heating them up a little bit more. And you could see he was getting uncomfortable. He was feeling the pressure. The throws were starting to be off. I mean, he's still got an incredible arm. He was still slinging it in there, but they weren't as accurate. And we were just getting him off a spot. Offensively, uh, let me just go through my notes here. Yeah, like you said, their their first drive down the field was pretty solid. Um, when they ran it in for the touchdown, I mean, I thought it looked like just basic inside zone. I thought our defense fitted up pretty well. Running back didn't have anywhere to go. He just bounced it out, and nobody was there to make a tackle. Then we get the ball, just half a dozen run plays, get to it on, uh, like, what was it, fourth and five, fourth and six, and we called stretch. Didn't get it. In the moment, I absolutely hated the play call. more I sat and thought about it, I don't hate it as much. You know, we did the check with me, so obvi- and we had been running the ball down – you know, for six, seven plays, so we obviously knew how they were playing the run. Do the check with me, you see the front, maybe thought we could get the edge if we had the numbers or just alignment. And really, outside zone is just, let's crease the defense and hand the ball to your best player and let him go be a dude. Obviously, we didn't get the result we wanted. Still not my favorite play call, but I hate it a lot less now that I think about it than I did in the moment. Um, second drive, nothing going, had to punt. Needed a timeout to get the personnel and play call right for the punt. Not great to see. Um, just moving along. That's where it was on their third drive that that quarterback's arm started popping out to me. Like, this this dude is good. Uh, and we get him backed up to fourth and forever, and he, quarterback, scrambles, makes a phenomenal throw for a touchdown. After that, we started blitzing. We started heating the kid up. Uh, come out three and out after halftime, not good, but immediately get the turnover, and we take a shot play right off of that, touchdown, and I think the momentum just started rolling our way. Saw a little bit of the sub package on defense, the three high safety stuff. Um, and that's pretty much really all I got as far as the rest of the game goes. You know, they they did some stuff that was cool. A lot of a lot of funky formations, a lot of empty, a lot of quad sets out of uh, empty. I remember right before halftime that they tried the old hide the tight end on a field goal play where you just like line them up directly next to the sideline 
try and you know hope the defense doesn't notice and we called a timeout because I don't know if the coaches saw it or what but Liebler lined up he was the corner over top of that and he was throwing a fit pointing at this kid trying to get the attention of the rest of the defense to like hey we're getting quads not trips and called a defense or called a timeout got the defense back on track and they didn't do anything out of that so it was just a fun little like in-game thing I think Liebs overall had a good game saw some comments about the secondary getting toasted but I think it was just that quarterback man he was just those wide receivers got even an inch of separation and he was putting that ball where it needed to be yeah I mean I said last week after the film that I think he was the best quarterback that we've seen so far this year going into it and he came out and kind of showed that uh great arm talent I mean he does have some d1 offers that we mentioned they have some athletes out there but you know no spectacular playmakers and uh it was kind of the quarterback ran the show also I thought uh on the film, he did a good job of extending plays, eluding tackles, working the pocket. And I mentioned that, you know, if we're going to go after him, like, don't miss. And I think there's a few times, like, early in the game where he extended the play more than we wanted him to. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, good job on their part. But, yeah, you know, we uh, we reined it in there a little bit on him and made his life a little bit tougher, forced the receivers, skill players to kind of step up their game. Uh, by putting more pressure on the quarterback. So, uh, you know, good adjustment, and we got there. Yeah. Um, not. I just went back and looked at the box scores a little bit today. Anything that stuck out, I think the biggest thing that I saw really was uh, we only had three penalties. So that's a big improvement over, you know, seeing kind of sloppy play, dumb mistakes earlier in the year. Um, game like that, three penalties, always good to see. Red zone, we were three for three. You always want to turn red zone opportunities into points, especially touchdowns. However, they were four for five. Not great, but I think that's a lot to do with, like we were talking about, that quarterback just making plays. If you look at the box score, they had negative 15 rushing yards, but that's because we had like five sacks for 65 yards, I think. I, I think we're in agreement dying on this hill of, Sack yardage is a passing stat, not a rushing stat. So I went back and looked at their actual rush yards. They had 14 carries, 35 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. So even take those sack yards out of it, Black Swarm defense still doing a good job plugging up the run, making the offense one-dimensional. And when an offense has to play with one hand tied behind their back, doesn't matter how good you are at it, you're still playing at a disadvantage. Um. Yeah, like I said, the QB got sacked five times, but eight different kids on their team caught a pass from the quarterback. So they really like to spread the ball around. Got a lot of play, a lot of kids that can go out there and make a play, or got a lot of kids that can go out there and play, but not necessarily a dude that can go out there and make plays happen. Yeah. So that's about all that stuck out to me for that game. Um, that's all I got, unless you have anything else to add. No, I mean, I think that pretty much sums up the game. So, with that, I guess, we can get into the new little segment that you got. You want to intro that? And I got, I already got what it's going to be, but I would like you to explain to the audience what it is. All right, well, in that case, uh, so this kind of just came to me during a lunch break last week, I think, is when I I first texted you about it. Mm -hmm. Um. 
and I'm still kind of working out the details because I haven't thought about it since then. <laughs> Sounds about right. But uh, the the concept and you know this could encompass a lot. Right? It kind of gives us flexibility of where we want to go with it. Um, originally, I wanted to talk about players um, or schemes that flip the advantage of the play in their favor. Right, so when you line up, you know, if you write a play on a board, everything's 50-50, right? Mm -hmm. You write the offense, you write the defense. There's the old adage of... Last uh, one with the, the last, wins. Yeah, the last coach with a marker wins. You know, if you, have, if you have an offensive coach going up there drawing a play or drawing a formation, a play, either way, defensive coach going up there drawing how he would defend it, give the marker back to the offensive coach of how he would adjust it, it's, you know, the advantage goes to whoever has the marker last. So essentially it's 50-50 going into it. So from there, you're setting yourself up to give yourself an advantage. And I think what caused this is... You sent me a clip of somebody running a route in the NFL, mm -hmm. and the way he set it up, the way he was setting up his routes, gave him the advantage because it might have been that. Oh yeah, the the uh, it might have been the corner the versus corner the corner post. post. Yeah, and by setting up his corner post the exact same way he runs his corner, the defender was jumping the corner route, gives him the easy double move. Um, to open the, the post. Now, there's a lot of different things out there. You know, Hank's more of a lineman guy, more of a skill skill player guy. So what I see and what he sees might be a little bit different. But the idea is gaining an advantage. And with that, I was thinking about a term that's used in casinos, because that's one of the rabbit holes that I was watching on YouTube a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. about people that count cards in blackjack. It's not illegal. It's not, a, you know, it's not against the law. There's, it doesn't break any rules. You're allowed to do it, but casinos have the right as a private business to deny you business, right? So they'll kick you out of a casino or they'll tell you you can't play blackjack anymore, something like that. But the term they use is advantaged player. They will call you an advantaged player because you have a leg up on the house, Whereas every single game, the house wins because over time they're, you know, even in the worst games, they're winning like 51.5% of the time. A person that can count cards, they are now favored to win like 51% of the time if they play perfect. But, you know, nonetheless, they flipped it to where they have the advantage now. You're an advantage player. So going forward, I want to try to highlight either a player, a play, or a scheme to where we flip the advantage into our favor. It could be a technique used by a player. It could be a scheme used against a specific defense, setting them up one way to go back to something else, um, just taking advantage with numbers to a side, you know, wh whatever. Mm. This is really open to interpretation, but the idea is that we are taking the advantage in the play. So... That's the idea of it, and hopefully we can get some kind of good example enough, periodically enough, that we can actually kind of do this as a small segment. So uh, that's the idea behind it. 
so with that, um, I think I got our first one down pretty good. And it's kind of funny you mentioned how I pay attention to the the fat boys and you pay attention to the skinny guys because mm. my first one is a bigger guy, specifically Big Mike. I noticed this during the game. I even made a note of it in the uh, in my notes. But his get-off speed on certain plays is just ridiculous. Like, he's already in the center's face before that ball even leaves his hand sometimes. And as a base rush three defense, you know, we're already kind of at a disadvantage as far as getting pressure on the quarterback goes. But when you can do that and you can, you know, dip and rip on a center before he can even start getting into his pass set or before he can get hands on you on a run play and you're already causing havoc up the middle, you know, the shortest distance to the quarterback and the ball, then you're putting the rest of your defense in an advantageous spot, you know. Um, A lot of times defenses have to blitz to create pressure on a quarterback. Uh, We do it a lot because that pressure gets there quicker, but some teams can't even do it at all with what they got. When you got a dude like Big Mike coming up the middle and you're not giving the quarterback anywhere to go, then – or the ball – you know, the ball carrier on a run play, any time to make a move, he's getting hit as soon as he gets the handoff. You're just ne- compounding negative plays for the offense, and that's hard to recover. I know it's tracked a lot more in, like, the NFL and the high-level college football stuff, but it's like if you get a negative play on first and 10 or second and medium, get a team outside of the standard down and, di- down and distance stuff, then they're prob- that drive is probably going to end up in a punt or a turnover. So having a dude like that up front, just right up the middle of the defense that can create havoc, just with how fast he can get off the ball, is, I mean, that's it, hard to beat. It's hard to combat. We got some... Uh, film of that here in film room coming up so we'll get a chance to see that a little bit but that's my advantage player of the week okay to kind of dig into the concept of this segment a little bit more would you say that affects their potential play calling or the success of a specific let's say run play to where they thought they might be able to account on blocking back on him or letting him go or mm-hmm. something of the sense that like maybe you wouldn't be able to do now because he gets there too quick, kind of like letting an end man go when he's really fast. Yeah. Um, does that does that affect a play? Maybe not this team in particular because they don't mm-hmm. they didn't run quite as bit, but in general, does that help flip the script on what an offense can do? Uh, yeah, on the whole, I think if you got a guy that coming up the middle of the defense that your offensive line just can't block, then, you know, you're going to have a hard time running up the middle. Um, if for whatever blocking scheme you're trying to block back on him and he's already past where the guy trying to get the back block is like going, he's just wreaking havoc up the middle. Like he's, you, you can't do anything about that. Uh, then you start having to dedicate double teams to him, and then you start getting that number advantage of the offensive versus defensive line back. Even, you know, if we go with our four-down package and you're still at a disadvantage of five-on-four, but then they have to dedicate a double team to Big Mike, now you got one-on-ones everywhere else, I think. That's how that math works, right? Sure, let's call it that, yeah. 
you have to dedicate a one-on-one everywhere else. And then that's where you get other opportunities for people to step up and say, hey, like, I got a one-on-one now. I'm beating my dude. Mm-hmm. Time for me to go make a play. And then you, defense can start blitzing more because in a perfect world on the whiteboard and off any five-man protection should be able to handle any five-man blitz. Well, when you get that double team, now you can just send five again and you have a free rusher. You get that number advantage right back. And you still have the numbers in coverage, technically, because it's um, five, six on four receivers. So I think it's both schematically and kind of in the moment of feel that, that something like that is going to affect the offense. All right, cool. So that was our advantaged player moment of the week. And I wanted to get that out of the way because I have a follow-up question, which is just for my own. Uh, Go for it. As a ex-lineman, yep. something I never really thought about until you were going on your first rant. If you're going, let's just say you're going one-on-one against the center. All right, let's take everybody out else out of the equation to make it equal. Mm-hmm. One-on-one against the center. As a defensive lineman, would you rather attack his dominant hand or his non-dominant hand in regards to... If he's right-handed, he's snapping right-handed. Yeah. Would you rather attack the hand, the side he snaps with or the opposite side? I'm asking because I don't know if like you're... It's so like if you're blocking to the right, mm. is your right hand more important than your left? That, that's something I'm not familiar with. So, also as a center, would you rather him go away from the snapping hand or towards the snapping hand? Does it make a difference? Um, you know what? As a center, that's something I never really thought about. I just kind of like... Well, you don't get the option. Yeah, so. yeah. It's like, this is my life. Like This is the hand I've dealt. Yeah, and you just got to deal with it. I didn't really have a preference as a center. It was just I know when the ball is going to be snapped, mm-hmm. so I should, in theory, have a step on this guy. Um, I guess same thing could go for any lineman that has a hand on the ground. Yeah, are you better with your hand that's up? No, it's there's really not much of a difference from what I remember. So if you're going against Big Mike. Yeah. who is crossing your face while your right hand is still between your legs, I suppose. would you rather him go to your right or your left? Okay, you know what? Because are you pushing away with your left or are you catching? With, I, I guess like that would be my interpretation of it. If he's going to your left, if so, you're only one-handed. Yeah, so if, so if I'm the center, I am right-handed. If I'm the center, I want Big Mike lined up over my left, coming at my left, because I know I'm not fast enough to get him at his best. So I want my free hand to be able to grab that jersey and hold on tight for as long as possible. Right off rip. Okay. So. So as a blocker, you would rather them go towards your free hand? Yes. Okay. Yeah. These are questions that us skill guys don't have the answers to. Never so. even thought about yeah, there you go. And I'd like to see Big Mike line up as a three-tech against a team that pulls guards a lot. Yeah, that's kind of like what I was asking with the last one. Because, you know, if you're pulling that guard yeah. and he's able to skip through there yeah. quick, then that kind of so, limits how often you can do that. Big Mike is a nose guard, so and yeah. we don't play many pulling centers. So the, the back block as a center on, say, a, a one-tech is 
you know a shade yep. is a lot easier than it is on a three tech if i let's say i'm lining up i know my left guard's pulling and he has a guy lined up outside on his outside shoulder the angle i have to take for that back block is probably like if you drew it on a whiteboard gonna be just directly to my left yeah i'm not going upfield at all i'm like i have to open up immediately and just haul ass to get there to block somebody like mike and anybody with that kind of speed and it's like that's one of those blocks that's taken for granted a lot of times but against really like the dudest of dudes think as the most extreme example aaron donald in the nfl you're not he's not seeing many back blocks because he's just swimming underneath that shit immediately beating the dude to the point and just blowing up to play in the backfield yeah and i think that's if you go back if you uh any masochists out there if you want to go back and watch the hoban 2020 film you'll see that a lot is just guys getting beat you know the center getting beat on the back block just outmatched in the trenches but that was specifically something that stuck out stuck out to me in that game so, yeah, freehand better, back blocks on good three techs are hard. Yes, that part I knew. <laughs> so, any other questions on that one? No, I think I'm good. All right. Um, that's all I got for Middletown. I guess with that, we can keep moving right into film room and then uh, just keep the show moving from there, huh? All right, let's go. Cool. All right, so we talked the kid up enough and the uh, recap of the game. Might as well see a little bit of the Middletown's highlights against us. Kid had a cannon just throwing piss missiles all night, so I think after getting that W walking out of there, we can sit back and appreciate it a little bit. So with that, let's get it rolling. Just a little quads action on their fourth and forever. Just looked like five verts, scrambled, and, I mean, put that ball well over where he, his guy could get it. He had a couple of those throws, just the sidelines. Receiver couldn't get a foot in, but, like, my God. That's the one that I liked. Yeah. Live right there. You got to appreciate the kid doing the the uh, Randy Moss calling for the ball immediately. Yeah. We'll put it outside of the backer, inside of the safety there. Mm. Big boy throw right there. He gets out of the pocket, extends the play, toss it up. I mean, the receivers have made... More than a couple tough catches just so far in this highlight. Yeah. They ran a, a lot of that uh, ace formation there. Just the uh, two tight ends in line. I don't know if they saw something or thought they could get something going with that, but I thought we did a pretty good job of shutting that down. Did we allow them to have an end zone camera? Or is this just a fan? No, I think that looks they like an end zone that looks like an end zone. I didn't think we let teams do that. Maybe it was I mean, part of the deal, or we didn't know about it. Teams let us do it, so yeah. But we usually, <laughs> I didn't think we did. Was the thing? I mean, I I don't know. I might be talking out of my ass, but I thought we didn't share 
or allow end zone film. Well, that's not our end zone camera, I can tell you that. Based on the highlights we watched this year that I assume mm-hmm. from our end zone camera. Mm-hmm. So. Maybe not. I don't yeah. know. With that, we'll keep her moving. Next up should be just a recap from our perspective. Yep. This one, a little RPO off power. That, you know, powers the called run play. Slaughter likes the fade ball, so he just tucks it and throws. Left a little short. Here's that one. Was common. Yeah. Less. I like this one because it really showcases. Okay. So let's see here. Line up in our base, you know, three down, four backer look, two high shell. And I talked about how with this three down package that you can blitz a guy, your Mike, your Will, or your Jack, to get that fourth rusher and still play base quarters behind it. So here you get the Will linebacker just coming right down the pipe. Nobody sees him, gets pressure on the quarterback. I mean, doesn't make a tackle, but quarterback still feels it. And you still get your base quarters coverage behind it. I lied the line and picked him up. Thinking of another play. Same thing. RP fade RPO off of power. That's a really good pass. Yeah. Just puts it right where his guy can make get it and Sending the heat into a rollout. That, I mean, that's tough to... Stumbling, rumbling, tumbling. Rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. Here, just looks like simple four verts into uh, quarters. Guys kind of bent... The inside seams kind of bend it in a little bit. Almost end up running into each other. Probably not how you want to draw it up, but still a good pass by Slaughter. Yeah, it looked like it took a little longer than you'd expect that to. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest takeaway from that. Because Slaughter had time to navigate the pocket and then step up in the pocket and still deliver a, like, 15-yard throw. Yeah. So. So, final stats. I mean, pretty good through the air. You know. Six for 11 on third. I think one for two on fourth down. So, about 68% completion percentage on... Conversion opportunities, pretty good. One turnover, not what you want to see. I forgot Trell put one on the dirt. But, um, hey, we got two from them. Not bad. Here we got the uh, good old smash Z post. Play we're good for about once a game. So down at the bottom here, receivers run smash. Whose camera angle is this? Somebody got it on their phone. Okay. This is the one um, that we got off Twitter. Okay. So, I forget who you are, but thanks for the great camera angle, Bubba. So, up top, your inside guy is running his corner out just like you would on Smash. Your outside guy gets into a trail technique, gets right up behind him, and then cuts it across over the middle. Usually gets lost by that safety and corner. They almost never uh, 
traded off. I think St. V is like one of the only teams that could ever really do it because they only ever ran quarters. And they just repped it so many times they were good at it. But really good shot play for us. Really good two high beater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough for the coverage because, you know, I feel like most teams match after a certain distance. Mm-hmm. So that safety is reading the inside receiver, and once he gets, you know, seven yards deep, usually nine, ten, about ten is once he gets, you know, ten yards team. deep, you're you're locked on then essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the thing is, when that outside receiver is cutting in immediately, the corner is not taking him immediately because he's usually playing his zone yeah. for the first ten quarter, or the corner's usually in what's called a mod or. M-O-D, man on deep. If he goes deep, cover him man. Sometimes they'll play him uh, man except short. So if he, like, cuts it short, anything, like crossing routes, stuff like that, he'll just see that drop to his zone. And that getting behind the corner looks like the looks like a shallow route almost. Yeah, and the trail technique that the outside receiver takes, you know, the corner can't squeeze that right away. Cause then he's kind of abandoning his outside position. Mm-hmm. If something else comes out his way. So he has to hang out there long enough. And then, you know, once the outside receiver ends up cutting towards the middle of the field, I mean, that that's a lot of recovery speed for a corner. If he even does stay latched on in that safety, you know, unless you're repping that looking for it, you know, if, you, if you're on your guy at 10 yards, like, that's your guy. You're not worried about other guys. So mm-hmm. I think that's why it's a, a successful play because that safety gets locked in on number two and the corner has to let that one go initially and then it's, you know, it's so hard to catch up. So, yeah, you got the teams that will pass it off when they're really good. They're looking for it and that probably leaves them susceptible to other things. But um, just running it out of your base coverage without – looking for that specifically that that's a really tough play and i mean it's not like teams don't know we run this yeah i'm sure because we run this at least once a game i'm sure they rep the shit out of those looks but you call smash a couple times set it up get that corner looking okay or get that safety looking okay i got the corner let's just stay over top of the corner he's never even looking for that uh, trail post after that so good protection by the line you could see Trails just looking for work, doesn't have anywhere to go with it. Um, I mean, that's one that you'd like to see. He hits him in stride, that's walk-in six. But when a dude's wide open like that, just get the ball to him, take the yards every time. Yeah, the linebacker actually does a really good job of chasing that down because I feel like that should be a play where the safety and corner lets you go. Yeah. You should be able to catch that like a punt. And then still have time to go run into the end zone after that. So it's one of those like where you're so wide open, you'd rather the quarterback just put it right on you than miss overthrow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take the yards every time. But, yeah, I, I think that ends up being a touchdown more times than not. But shout out for that linebacker for just randomly picking it up. Like, that's not his – Yeah, he's mad at the safety right there. <laughs> but, like, you know, that's not necessarily his guy. But he does a good job of reading it and running with it. And yeah. He saves, saves a touchdown because of it. I mean, that's your Sam linebacker. So normally on, normally when he gets a vertical from the number two guy, he's just getting hands on, disrupting it, passing it off to the safety, and then dropping to his curl flat zone. But he sees it, recognizes the play because they yeah. repped this a couple times in practice. He knows what's coming. Looks like he was just reading Slaughter's eyes. 
mm-hmm. right here, sees that it's middle of the field, middle of the field, middle of the field, finds the guy in the middle of the field, chases him down. But, yeah, good play on his part. Yeah. And then, obviously, you run smash uh, on the backside, too, because that opposite corner out is taking the other safety. Safety out of it, yeah. Yep. The two safeties are running towards the sideline, vacating the middle. And, I mean, there it is. So, just play we've run the shit out of ever since Trox got here. Um, I'd never actually seen this play before until Trox did get here. And I was really bored at work going back, watching film, watching, like, highlights of, you know, my the 2012 team and stuff, see what concepts we ran, what what be like then. And we ran this exact same play for six against St. V. I saw that. I'm like, where the – holy shit. This is, like, a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing we would have was, like, a scissors route, mm-hmm. which the idea is you're getting the safety and corner to switch – or get them not to switch, yeah. I guess. And then you're making that corner chase somebody towards the middle of the field. But it wouldn't have been set up with the smash concept first. Really. I mean, we ran smash, but they weren't designed to look similar. Yeah. It was just more of a... It's its own play. Yeah. You're just hoping they get confused. Because, I mean, a lot of times defenders do get confused when players switch. Mm-hmm. They cross each other's face. Do I stay with them? Do I mat- Do I stay on? Do I <coughs> switch? You know, we had match coverage. And there would be different rules for different teams for different formations. You know, there's times where we would match off the line. Like, as, as soon as they crossed, mm-hmm. we're taking them. Um, there's times where it's like after five yards, there's times after 10 yards. So it depends on the team, depends on the formation, uh, the concepts that they like to run. So it's easy for defenses to get mixed up once you start crossing your offensive players. So the nice thing about this is that there's a base play behind it. It's not just relying on them messing up. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good play and we've been hitting home on it for a long time. And I wouldn't say it relies on them. I wouldn't say any play relies on defense messing up. I'd say it's a play that you're screwing with the rules of the defense and manipulating players, and yeah. normally you're kind of counting on one guy to come open based on... Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Like With our scissors route, it was pretty dependent on the defense just playing it wrong. Right. Or just outmanning somebody, you know, just being mm-hmm. a dude and being able to be with them one-on-one. Whereas with this, there is a concept behind it you are manipulating the defense. Ours, you know, our equivalent of something like this was just about winning a one-on-one and yeah. hoping that the defense like stutters. Because that's one of the things. If you get them thinking for half second, mm-hmm. both your guys are running vertical at top speed. If the defense like hesitates for half a second on, wait, am I supposed to go with him? Or hey, boom, you catch up now. Like now you're in catch-up mode. So, I mean, there's still room for those type of plays. Because they they work, um, it's one on one with an advantage. Mm-hmm. If you can get them to th- stop and think about it a little bit, but this one I like because there is the base play and you're setting things up and you're getting them to read one thing and then come back and go against what they normally want to do, kind of th- you know. So that cor- that safety wants to jump the corner. They want to jump the corner. They want to jump the corner. Bam! Now I got the trail behind it. So um, it's just setting them up and. Uh, keeping them honest. So I, I like the concept rather than like kind of how we did it is what I'm saying. Right. I got you. But I just appreciate how much time Slaughter had back there. This offensive line, you know, 
holding that pocket there. Like I said, Drell looking for work, doesn't really have anybody to block. And Three man rush. Yep. That's what you get. So <clears throat> moving right along. Got some trail highlights here. Just being a dude. You know, kinda nice patient run. Yep. Patient through the mess. Find a hole. Get up in there. And that's trail being a dude, just getting up in the hole and making a guy's life hell. Nice bounce on power when you get a run through like that. Here's something, our base, really our base offensive formation that, you know, we've run since, like I said, since 2017 with the two receivers and a fullback and a running back. That's something we haven't really used much, and we came out this this game, and, like, that's what we started in. So it was just interesting to see that, ooh, a little double clutch on the fade ball there. Just interesting to see that our home base is still home base. Yeah, I don't know if this is like a hot take or not, but that trail dude is pretty good. I'd call that mild. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he makes some plays that he extends some runs that shouldn't be. Right. You know, yards after contact. Um, like, yeah. There's one in here. He gets right here. Like he gets met on the 36, ends up falling forward Falls down forward. to the 33. Yeah, there was a few times where there was the run through. The one was a touchdown. Uh, they fill in real nice. He just bounces it outside of him, gets a stiff arm, then gets hit at like the five six yard line. Is able to stay in bounds and get into the end zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's an elite runner. Yeah. So that's one where he bounces it on the run through, but there's another one later that I was referring to. But he's been, followed his blocks really well in this highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, stays in tight, trusts the process, and you know finds the crease. Yeah, just real comfortable running this stuff, man. Like bounces off a linebacker that had him wrapped up, squared up. This one right here, stiff arm at the twelve, gets the corner. Great run, six points. Steps up, blocks. Like you can be a dude with the ball in your hands all you want, but if you can't do all the other little stuff running backs need to do, specifically pass protection, and it's not just like blocking a guy one on one. It's knowing who to block, knowing what to look for. Yeah, went shoulder to shoulder with a linebacker and got six extra yards after hitting him. It's just impressive. And even when it's not your guy, like that last clip there. Picking up somebody on the edge. Yeah. Looking like, for work. Yep. So right here, you know, nobody blitzes. He doesn't have a linebacker to pick up, but dude beats the tackle off the edge. Look like you said, looking for work. Goes, finds a guy, makes him uh widens that hoop just a bit more. Gives time gives slaughter time to get the ball off. So I think that's all we got for Trell and the offensive highlights. Now getting into a little bit of the Black Swarm stuff. It's their snag concept that they love running the shit out of. We really only gave them the uh, the flat route. 
all game. And if you're going to give up something as a defense, I mean, give up, you know, short and outside. Make the throw as long as possible for the quarterback, but still as close to the line of scrimmage as possible. And teams aren't going to live off that. Just a little mesh action out of two back. Mike Leach would be proud. So this is a page, our safety highlights. <clears throat> Just coming up, hole opens up big. Just coming, flying down from the roof, making a tackle. Yeah, it was a first down, but you had a whole lot of room to work there. And Page didn't really give him much. Here you can see the guy starting to creep up a little bit. Should be alarm bells for the quarterback. Gets heated up. Has to get rid of the ball. Again, looks like, you know, same play as a couple clips before that. Out of that double tight end formation. Hole opens up and Page flies down, makes a play. Good penetration by, uh, I think that was Bond, making him bounce. The hole was there. If Bond gets blocked, you know, that looks pretty similar to what we've been seeing. Just a little stick concept. You know, let him catch it, force a fumble, and get the ball back. Just like you draw it up, right? Yeah. Second guy in, goes for the ball. Yep. A little cross-dog action there. Make the quarterback get rid of it quick and complete. A little special teams love. Ball doesn't land quite where you want it to. Pretty far outside the box. But outside contain guy. If he doesn't make that tackle, that ball's going a long, or that he's going a long ways down the field. Starts creeping up. Just getting man on outside. Quarterback feels the pressure. Can't put the ball exactly where it needs to be. Man coverage is sticky enough. Doesn't make a play. That one was the uh, will up the middle. You can see the... Running back, have to take up, step up and take him, get right in the quarterback's face. Doesn't give him room to throw. I mean, still makes, still completes the pass, but it's not how a quarterback wants to be living all night. I can tell you that. Here, you can see... I think this is our... Yeah, this is our sub package that we ran a little bit of. You know, you can see, so in our sub package, we take out the jackbacker, add a third high safety. So we got four over three down at the trips. Uh, still, 
I mean, five in the box with the safety over top and a corner just one-on-one outside that you trust him, press man coverage like that. Goal line, how are you going to play it? Man up, send the heat. You're going to play red seven. Zone coverage, pass off the slant flat concept. Page crashes the slant, doesn't let him catch it. Yeah, that's a good job of passing that off. All right, next up, we got some little Pringle highlights here. Just great swim move, making a man miss on the blitz. Just heating the quarterback up all night, man. Creep up, creep up, creep up. You can see some get-off speed from Big Mike there. I was watching Pringle. But, but yeah, Big Mike so, gets there first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Big Mike, He's this is one of those plays I was talking about with that get-off speed. Yeah, I mean, Pringle runs that hoop about as tight as you possibly can with barely getting touched and somehow Mike still beats him there so, so I got I have to watch him Mike this time yeah so anybody else watching you can you know go back and watch as many times as you want but Pringles just gonna creep up to the edge run that hoop but big Mike just gets off so quick real quick dip and rip move quarterback just has no time to throw center been having a rough high. I mean, the center whiffed on Pringle twice and then got <laughs> ripped by Big Mike on that one. Bad highlight for the center. Yeah, I can't imagine he had a good day in film after this after this game. Well, I saw that their, uh, I believe it was their coach posted that. Oh, the quote about yeah about how good big mike was how he was a difference maker on the line expects him to be a power five type player so with that get into the man of the hour big mike's highlights himself a lot of setup time on these plays but here it's a run play up the middle and his he just gets off the ball so quick immediately in the backfield nowhere to go for that running back Same play, just end zone angle. Yeah, so it's the guard is trying to cut him off here. Probably just a little inside zone to our right with the sniffer filling in. Just splits a double team. Center wants nothing to do with it. I I didn't even think he was trying on the first from the first angle. I didn't mm-hmm. think the center like even had responsibility on him because <laughs> he got past the center so quick. Yeah, center with <laughs> just Rips past the center's face. Yep. Nowhere to go on that one. Great use of hands. I like the, like, minor look back that that center does (coughs) on all of these plays. He's like, oh, oh. I mean, he had to know, you know. Yeah, but he sells it well. Like, he, you know. He's not, like, freaking out. Like, oh, I missed a guy. But, man, that center's just getting worked. <laughs> I mean, Big Mike causing <laughs> issues. 
This one, I like the, um, I don't know if it's the number one or the number three on this. Comes open over the middle, just watch what happens, and just head goes back like, God damn it. Man, it's like I need half a second to be open. And, oh, wow, he's like, yep, I'm wide open, and yeah, can't, yeah. can't throw it to me, sorry. <laughs> really, though, we should put up a timer. I mean, I guess you could look at the bottom of the screen, <laughs> like, as the podcast is rolling, but... Well, let's see here. You gonna you gonna run both of them? I guess you could like click at the same time. That well, you don't know when the snap is, so go. Ahead. Oh, like one point four. One point six. One point six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I might have been a little slow on that one. Yeah, that's that's a hand timed one point six. Mm-hmm. From the snap itself to the quarterback being down. Yeah. It's just like. The get off is. You're making your defensive backs' lives a lot easier when you can do stuff like that. Yep. Um, and there's gonna be a there's like a lot of clips I watched where, you know, after going through like trying to pick out the highlights for this, I'm watching Big Mike almost every play, like looking for him. It's like okay, he does this. Where is it every play? Well, a lot of the blitzes we run, he has to stunt to a different gap. You know, like he has to long stick to B gap or go to cross the center's face, get to the opposite B-gap, something where it's not necessarily his job to just shoot the gap like that. So he's not going to show up every play, but he's still going to be up there eating space, doing his job, and letting other guys come free. Against that center, you could drop 10 (laughs) into coverage. That center couldn't... Just let Big Mike run free up the middle all night. Big Mike... Is not getting blocked by that guy. No. More than one out of ten times. He's just eating him alive, slapping his hands off every time and going right past him. Just slaps the hands, keeps going. Just ridiculous. Oh, slap, a rip. And I think the rip actually held him up a little bit. Yeah. If he were just like two hands slapped, like I think that's quicker. And kept When they ripped, they kind of went arm to arm. (laughs) Yeah. He got snagged up a little bit. He's still back there. That's your pass rush move, man. Like, it's the old slap and rip. Yeah. That's just, I mean, yeah, great performance. So... With that, we can turn the page on to Canisius. Don't have anybody in particular to highlight. Just found a couple of their game recaps on Huddle. This first one, I think, is against Lancaster, whoever the hell they are. Team up in New York, I assume. So, you get to see a little bit of them. Some scramble drill, a little pointing hero ball. Hell of a catch. Yeah. Likes to drift in the pocket. 
Yeah. The old Patty Mahomes. I mean, he had pressure right up the middle there. Like, he didn't have much else to go. But. He has a weird drop. Yeah. Like, it's every a- every time he snapped the ball so far, I thought he was left-handed. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he turns and he, he's right-handed. But something about the way he starts his drop just, like, looks weird to me. I don't know why. Like, he takes a big first long step. And he's been rolling, like, getting a little half roll out to the right. All right. I don't know. Looks awkward. So, you know, you can see this game put up put up some yards through the air and on the ground. But uh, yards don't equal Ws, boys. Got to put up those points first. Yeah. Got to score points. Five of 17 isn't great. Yeah. Turnover. Getting to third down a lot in general isn't great. You know, I think a lot of things people look over when they look at the third down conversion rate, they don't even notice how many times you are you get to third down. Like, if you're there at third and two, third and one every time, it might not be that big of a deal. That's staying on schedule. Mm-hmm. But facing third down 17 times. Yeah, the teams that put up 300 rushing yards, you know, you, could, you kind of expect that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they were... Over two to one passing to rushing yards this game. I mean, at least according to these stats. So when you're putting up those kind of numbers, that's not a great sign for why you have that many third downs. Yeah. Um. So I mean, either you're trying to be a running team and it's not working, <laughs> or you're not completing passes early. You're behind behind schedule and getting a lot of third downs. So yeah, I mean, a lot of third downs are bad. I mean, for sure, the more third downs you have the more potential fourth downs you can have i guess huh yep i mean i guess unless you go down and you have like six third downs in the same drive and score a touchdown but then you'd have a high conversion rate they don't have a high conversion rate so you know when you don't have a high conversion rate and you have that many of them it's not a good sign of what your offense did that game so and the int doesn't help either that's going to be a theme you're going to see here so next game against the alphabet soup academy god a nice touchdown run. Just a little end around. That cornerback looks so funky, man. I don't... <laughs> Just dude makes a miss, and I mean, hey, if you got to do it, I'm guessing eight's like one of their dudes. You just get the ball in his hand however you can, and I'm guessing his last name is Tacky. I I, I don't so. I don't imagine they're all wearing jerseys that say Tacky on it, right? Can't be. He has that straight 1940s drop back to start his drop back, where his first step is directly back. He's facing the offense. At least on that that last clip. Yeah. It just looks funky. Nice tunnel screen. Dude houses it. I mean, obviously got a little bit of speed. A formation in the boundary. He steps right back. It's not great when you have to put a horse collar on your highlight reel. Oh, like a negative one yard run. Yeah. On the highlight. Yeah. I mean, this and is this a, just looks like it's a defensive look, highlight. Yeah. That's a. I mean, that's straight out of Sports Center, not top ten right there. Yeah. Sorry, QB. Sometimes you have to just like take I saw, the L and go down. On I it. saw better football plays on Charlie Brown. <laughs> 
I want to see one time where he throws a quick pass. How does he do it? Does he have that same drop back if he has to throw an immediate pass? Is he dropping straight backwards, facing the goalpost? And that, I I don't know. Like, the highlights we're watching now I'm is guessing, all I've watched. I'm now. guessing if he has to throw, like, a quick three-yard hitter, mm. it's slow. I, I'm just guessing. Maybe he changes it up for when he has to do quick passes, but... Yeah. Man. So... That's just weird. I mean, obviously, Alphabet... More balance that time. Yeah. And uh, Alphabet Soup Academy, not great on the ground. I really don't care how many times you get sacked as a quarterback. Negative 43 rushing yards is, like, not great. Yeah, that's for sure. So, get to the uh, other stuff here. Under 50%, three interceptions. Yeah, six for 13 on third down, not great, but they did hold the other team to two for eight, so better. Both teams had three turnovers, not good football. Three INTs is the big thing. Not Maybe not necessarily the greatest decision maker back there taking snaps. Yeah, it looks like the ball hangs on him a little bit. Seems like he's trying to make plays that aren't really there, so... Interesting. I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah, like you said, the interceptions are going to become a thing, and I I can kind of see why. <laughs> so, last game we got against uh, maybe football that a little more closer to home, Ohio team, Walsh Jesuit. They're good. They're good? I don't know anything about them. So, I think they're good. I. They almost beat Hoban every year. Do they? That might be their only good game of the year but like for whatever reason they have a good time against Hoban I think that sounds right well they uh Molly Wapkinesius so that's the last game on here you can see so we can watch a little bit against you know an Ohio team and to be fair to Canisius this was their season opener Kind of got to watch that one a little more up close, but dude kind of carries the ball like like a young LaShawn McCoy anyway. So that ball is out there to be to be had. You can already see down 20 nothing in the first. Just extending the play, running up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just a little rollout pass. I mean, that was... Yeah, but it looks like that's kind of what they need to do. Yeah, moving the pocket a little bit. Third highlight, Nardi down 48 nothing in the third. One, two, three. But also on this of note is just missing the wide-open guy running down the sideline here, the guy running the motion. Uh, he's going inside out. Sees that first open guy, hits him. Yeah. I mean, hey, depending on how he's coached to read it, if it's there, you throw it. Nice sideline ball. Running back, or running back. Receiver gets a step on the corner, and quarterback puts it up there for him to make a play. So this was their first game of the year? Yeah. I wonder if something happened to the quarterback after this. Because he looked better on that film 
than he did on the other ones. Like, noticeably better. I don't care what these stats say right now. I don't yeah. look at that particularly as much as just watching him. Mm-hmm. He looked less dorky yeah. on that one. He looked a little bit more fluent. Looked like the ball came out a little bit better also. The other games you showed, it looked like a deer in headlights some of the plays. The only, He's just like all over the place. Only pushback I'd have on you on that one is still two interceptions. Two interceptions. That's, yeah, I mean, that's fine. For I mean, I'm not saying he's a great player. Yeah. I'm just saying but he no, I, looked I see what you mean. better. Like, on. Yeah. It looked like there was a little bit more zip on the passes. looked like even his steps looked a little bit more. The next couple of games looked like he was bouncing a lot. He's like mm-hmm. bouncing rather than stepping. Even if he does have that unconventional first step, in this film it looked a little bit more like, all right, one, two, three, one, two, three, getting the ball exactly out. exactly how John Heisman taught it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you have to point one hand into the sky before yeah. you throw it. Um, his steps looked better on that. Whereas in the other games, he's just it looked bouncy, tall and bouncy, not steppy. I, mm. I don't know how to explain it. It just seemed like he's... He looked better on that. So I wonder if something happened to him after that. I mean, you know, if you get hurt or just rattled, yeah. you know, may, you're out there seeing ghosts now or something... Um, I mean, we saw pass protection wasn't necessarily their forte, so. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I don't know. Or maybe just, you know, those clips look better than the other clips. Who knows? Yeah, could be. Like, that's why they're highlights. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, the stats don't match yeah. it being a better game, so. <laughs> Obviously, one for nine on third downs, not good. Five turnovers is absolutely horrendous. You're not winning any games that way. Mm-hmm. So. That was a running theme after I watched a couple of these. Like, oh, they turn over the ball a lot. Yeah. And not great on third down. So, if you can keep buying the chains, they're, you're going to be getting the ball back quite a bit. All we got for the film room segment uh, with that, we'll keep moving right into a preview of the rest of Canisius. And then some spread, some Q&A, and get her out of here, huh? Yes, sir. All right. All right, so we got to see a little bit of Canisius on film. Um, you know, they like to offensively, they like to keep it spread out, go three wide, four wide a lot. Um, defensively, just mostly a cover four team, bring the heat sometimes, but nothing I don't think we ever haven't seen before. So, like we saw, you know, they didn't really impress much on either side of the ball. No real defensive highlights on that stuff. I mean, they had the one fumble, but it looked like that running back was asking for it. So anything else stick out to you? Anything to note? Anything, anybody on the roster? Yeah. So we watched the film and like you said, there's not a whole lot going on there. Um, that's worth mentioning that we haven't already talked about. So we can look at the roster a little bit. See if there's much to talk about there. Uh, offensive line, um, it's not bad sized, actually, uh, pretty decent. 6'4", 285, 6'2", 245, 6'2", 280, 6'4", 255, 6'3", 260. So, about, you know, 260 across the board, average. Um, the shortest one being 6'2". So, I mean, they got, they got a little bit of size there. Decent size. At least on paper. Um... 
when we watched the film it you know it didn't look like the best line in the world uh so you can be you can be the correct size but you still got to go out there and perform uh running back 61220 good uh, size we, back there yeah we, we've seen the numbers on what they do uh it doesn't seem like he's a he's a feature back by any means so mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know Will Trail Hartson back there. Yeah, that is for sure. Let me see if I can. <coughs> uh, receivers 62190, 5'11, 165, 5'10, um, I mean, in general, I think it's just the same theme keeps repeating itself here. Uh, yeah. Just There's no one that is just sticks out, I should say, I guess. So. Um, Seems like their best two receivers, 6'2", 195, 5'11", 175. One's a senior, one's a sophomore. Uh, the sophomore is pretty fast. but So. Um, yes, I mean, you saw a little bit of speed there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Quarterback. Um, we don't have a whole lot of information on him, but we saw him play. And... You know, it's going to be interesting to see what you get. Saw a few decent passes from him. Saw a few plays that he was able to extend and work the play pretty well. Then you saw him kind of dancing around a little bit, getting happy feet, lofting the ball. I mean, the turnovers on huddle, at least, you know, speak for themselves. So I think uh, you should have a pretty good idea of what you're getting with him. On defense... Uh, same thing. They they got decent size up front. Six one two twenty, six two two eighty, six four two fifty five, six one two ten. Uh, some of their defensive players, uh, they they do decent on the line, but they don't pop off the charts. Pretty much, I I don't know if there's really any players on here that really pop out. They have uh some decent players. I mean, the one thing that's worth noting about their defense line is that it's known that they get tired mm. throughout the game so you wear on them and that that starts to become evident linebackers six foot 180 six foot 225 six one one ninety they're all juniors same as before yeah just sounds on a theme here yeah let's talk about their secondary just real quick but their safeties are six three one eighty six two one ninety five so they got some height Back there, corner six foot one sixty five eleven one seventy five. Um, there's something about all of them individually that you know, kind of like pros and cons. Mm-hmm. So they got a little bit of height, or they might be good at using their hands, but they give up. Um, they give up some types of plays where you know, they're out of position. Or stuff like that, or they up. get they get caught looking in the backfield too much. So give up forty eight points to Walsh Jesuit by the third quarter. Yeah, so um, don't have a whole lot. Of, we we had more information about Middletown than we do <laughs> about this team. Um, even though it's a an opponent we played in the past, but uh, I mean nothing really sticks out on paper. But yeah. the game's not played on paper, so that's why we watch a little bit of film. And nothing, and really nothing out there positive, either. nothing like amazingly positive really stuck out on film either. So I think that's a good indication of what kind of team we're getting into this week. So same thing, 
as any week though you have to come out and prove it yep don't let them even get the chance to get started i think i hope that's one thing that we can pick up on this week since last week we gave up you know back-to-back scores to open the game hopefully this week we can just come out strong right away and you know we can be the ones that punch them in the mouth to start with Mm -hmm. and then never let them up so uh that's what i would be looking for is a hot start yeah i think this is going to be a get a good game for us to make up for how we came out last week like you said come out hot punch them in the mouth let them know what's up and once you're stepping on their throat don't let up you know uh jv team you know second string jv whoever gets playing time not to be a dick but when you get playing time in this game don't let up like you saw jesuit had that 48 nothing in the third quarter keep that goose egg there like you're playing for something there at that point. You're playing for pride. You're playing for, hey, why? Like, show the coaches why you should be getting more playing time either now or in the seasons to come. So, it's gonna be one of those games that I hope you got a good tailgate going. But still, only get so much mass in football. Only get so much mass in football at home. Go in, mm-hmm. soak up every second of it. Be loud. Let them know you're there, and give them the massive experience, man. Yeah, I mean, I saw um, parents from the Delaware team. They commented on how well everything went on here. They they enjoyed um, the whole event of coming to Maslin. So, mm-hmm. same thing for Canisius. Let's go out there and show them the Maslin way, and let the team go out there and get a big dub because. Every single one counts, especially when you're only playing nine to begin with. Yep. So every game is important. Uh, even if the way we're saying it kind of implies that <laughs> it will be a win. Yeah. Above that, there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, you can't just drop a game. You can't go out there and have a bad performance. Um, you have highlight tapes that college teams watch, mm-hmm. uh, college coaches watch right when you're watching a highlight tape you don't always go in there and check who the opponent was what the situation was you know that's why they're highlights right go out there and put out some highlights um make a big play have a good block uh all of that have good box score stats you know stats shouldn't matter when it comes to wins and losses but Mm. it's an image thing yeah you know, people want reasons why to dislike us. And if you go out there and let them hang around or not to make it a close game, but I mean, if on paper Walsh had a better game against them than we did, everybody's going to be wondering, oh, you know, is, is Walsh, is Masson really not the, you know, was it a fluke against Ed's, you know, is Walsh actually way better? And then, you know, it's just weird. You know, don't give anybody the chance to say anything. Yeah. Just go out there and. If anybody complains, I want it to be the fact that our fifth strings are scoring points mm-hmm. because the team can't stop it, right? I don't want them to say that we didn't score enough, we didn't look good enough. I want top of the roster to the bottom of the roster to go out there, look good, hold shutouts, limit them to few points as possible. Don't let them cross the 50. Exactly. I mean, I, I think that's an important aspect of it. You know, go out there make your highlight tape better and i think to your point too the last thing i'm going to add is you look across 
all these different rankings of football teams in the state, you know, whether it be in division or mm-hmm. in general, Maslin's ranked top five on pretty much all of them. Yeah. And not that rankings are necessarily important. What matters at the end of a season is how your season ended. But top five teams don't let teams like this hang around. Yeah. They put them away quick. They keep them away and blow them out of the water. Yeah, so that's what, uh, you know, there should be some kind of goal. There should be some kind of directive that they want to go out there and they want to accomplish, you know, more than just a win, more than just playing well for yourself, you know. Don't let them cross the 50. Don't let them score. Uh, Don't let them score in the first half, you know. Mm -hmm. Don't give up a kickoff return past the 20. Uh, I mean, go out there. I know we used to have that board. I completely forgot about this until just now. Oh, we had that goals. board of the goals in the team room, mm-hmm. and it had different, you know, offense puts up so many points or so many yards, defense holds them to so many points, so many yards, um, X amount of turnovers, uh, net punt, kickoff return, uh, different <coughs> goals like that. So, I mean, go out there, and I don't know if they have something like that or not, if they have game-to-game goals, but... Uh, it's not something we really thought about. It was up there, and it's kind of like, did you meet yeah. the requirement or not? It's not you weren't really thinking about that when you're out there. But you know, if if you're somebody that's on kickoff, if you're a special teams guy, you don't play a whole lot in the starting rotation on offense or defense, but you play a lot of special teams. You know, take it serious. Go out there. Uh, you know, we used to take special teams really serious, and the guys on kickoff, they wanted to go down there and smack somebody. They wanted to hold people to the least amount of yards possible like they took it serious not to say that we don't now but things like that you know go out there and take every aspect of the game serious set some kind of goal even if it's your own goal you know just say hey guys like we're not going to let them cross the 20 on kickoffs we're not going to let them cross 50 you know how much time how much guys talk to each other out on the field like stuff like that like hey we're not going to let them score we're not we're not letting them score so keep it up you know so have some kind of goal, some kind of mission, go out there, and uh, more importantly, come off to a hot start. If nothing else, I want us to see us come out hot, mm-hmm. and then if I have to, I'll say, oh, well, the competition wasn't great. Like they, We turned it off afterwards. I don't want to say that, Yeah. but don't come out slow. There's no excuse for coming out slow, because that just means that you're not respecting your opponent, and that's going to get you beat. Mm-hmm. If it's not this week, it will be a different week. So, come out hot. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing else to add. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Great teams cover. Damn right. So, speaking of that, let's get into some spreads, boys, and uh, see what's going on around, you know, Stark County and a little college and NFL action, too. All right, let's get into it here. All right. Uh, so, the Holy War is at St. V this week. Okay. Hoban is favored by 24 and a half. 24 and a half. Haven't heard of St. V doing much. Hoban just now finally getting into their yeah. in-state series. Eh, Hoban to cover. I think so as well. Northwest, minus nine and a half at Triway. Triway. Uh, minus nine and a half. Not a team I'm too familiar with Not this year, all. Triway. Northwest, we've seen a couple of times throughout the year, but yeah. I don't remember what the outcomes were of their games. But Triway, I don't recall seeing. 
Minus nine and a half. On the road. Nine is an odd number. Triway three. Three is also an odd number. Triway covers. Okay. So here's one that we have had a lot of. Louisville at Glen Oak. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Just schlock fest. Um, Start to finish on that one. Glen Oak's favored by nine and a half. I'm making a plea to anybody out there that has access to this game film. I want to watch Delete this. Delete it? <laughs> no. I want to watch this watch so it. bad. I love. There's some sick, twisted part of me that loves watching bad football. Mm-hmm. And this just is. This sounds like I will sit there with popcorn and, you know, get all cozy in a blanket, get some candles going, really set the mood, and just watch what I imagine is going to be four quarters of the some of the worst football you can imagine. I'm really mad at this spread because I wanted to pick Louisville to cover because I think they, they've been losing, but they've been putting up some points lately. Yeah. Uh, was it Perry that didn't cover against them by half a point the other week? infuriated me um and then i think they put did they play late i I don't know but nine and a half is because i think Glenn's gonna win Mm -hmm. but i think louisville has been putting up just enough points to not let it get out of hand so i mean you know louisville Ah, i'm right there on nine and i could go either way you know what I need a dog somewhere. I'm going to take Louisville to cover, but I like Glen Oak straight up. I think I agree with that. But it's just one of those things where, you know, it could be a six-point game and then Glen Oak scores at the end. Or, like, you know, there could be a backdoor cover on this. But I have a feeling that spread's close. I mean, that's the whole point of a spread. Yeah. But that one's really just... If they would have said, like, Glen Oak 12... I think I'm taking the under, you know, because 10 points. Mm-hmm. I think 10 might be the magic number. So I should take one up to cover if I think 10. But I'm going to go Louisville. I'm going with Louisville. Yeah. I think they put up just enough. They have just enough deceptive speed to not let the game, yeah. to not let the final score get away from Yeah, them. I mean, it's one of those things like um, when we had Drew on that Louisville has some decent talent. Mm-hmm. It's just They're just not putting together. Their offense isn't functioning great. But... Uh, they've been putting up just enough, so I don't know. Perry minus twenty four at Green. Oh God! Um, only thing I know about Green is they've been just catching the hands left and right. So I, I'm taking yeah. Perry. Yeah, I mean twenty four for Perry um, means that their defense has to pretty much they they got to stop Green pretty yeah. well, which Green hasn't been doing great. Uh, it's at Green. Don't think that matters too much. Green couldn't match with McKinley. Because McKinley and Perry are so comparable. Well, that's what I'm going with is they couldn't match with McKinley. Yeah. But Perry's nothing like McKinley. And I was trying to think of who else they played and, like, what the scores were off the top of my head. Or at least, like, how big of a loss it was. Perry... Perry lost to Jackson in overtime, but Perry was kind of banged up that game. But I think they're one player's out the whole year. I'm taking Green to cover. All right. You know, I think it could be like 30 I, I to can, 10. Yeah, I can very much. 31, 10, 20, can, like 31, <laughs> 31, 10, book it. That doesn't cover though, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, I think 24 is a lot of points. You know, as soon as I said it, I'm like, ah, wing T, five wide. Clock's going to be moving. Yeah. I'm changing it. Green covers, but Perry still kicks their asses. <laughs> uh, McKinley is 15 and a half point favorites at home against Jackson. Jackson. Perry's been on it. Er, Perry, who? McKinley's been on a heater, man. They yeah. have. After that. Uh, Finally putting it together. Yeah, after that 0 4 stumble out the gate. They um, lead the Fed right now. Yeah. Took down. Who was it? Lake was sitting at number one pretty nice there for a while. Yeah. Took them down, and they're they're getting hot at the right moment. 15 and a half. I'll take McKinley. My voice is just going to shit yeah, right now. It did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Jackson played Perry tough and won. <coughs> uh, I think Jackson had a – man, he gets so caught up with all of these. Because like, the only time I look at this stuff is during the podcast each week. Mm-hmm. And then I briefly, like, either Friday night or Saturday morning, I go back and look at some of the spreads. But I look at 10 of them at once. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember them week over week. I think Jackson had a big win early in the year, but then kind of struggled. Had a big game against Perry. But 15 and a half for McKinley. Yeah, I, I could see that. I'd like to know if McKinley is a decent kicker, and an adequate kicker or not. But... Let's go with McKinley. Attaboy. Clemson, 20 and a half at Boston College. Clemson sucks. Boston covers. Yeah, I think I picked Clemson last week just based on the fact of, you know, they can't stink two weeks in a row, right? Like, sometimes these big programs, when they have a bad game, I think they pick it up the next week. But I think Clemson had back-to-back. They got in a shootout with Wake Forest. Yeah, Clemson Boston at least Boston College at least covers. <sighs> The spirit, okay. yeah, the spirit of it. Doug Flutie is going to possess <laughs> them. <laughs> and uh, Boston College is going to put up a game against Clemson. We got Uda minus four and a half at UCLA. Uda. Yeah, it's Utah. Ah, Uda. Uda minus four and a half at UCLA. I was, I was trying to think, like, University of Delaware? <laughs> uh, Uda. Uda. Um, Uda the state, but it's not a state school. Right. Well, it might be a state school, but it doesn't have state in the name of the school. What was the name of the, or what was the spread? Uda minus four and a half. Minus four and a half. Down at Los Angeles. Down at Los Angeles. Uda. So this is Uda, not Uda State? No, nah, just Uda. Uda. Uda, the team that Ohio State played in the Rose Bowl last year, right? Sounds right. Yeah. Chip Kelly's on his like last leg out there. Give me Uda. Uda covers against Ukla. Tennessee minus three and a half down in Baton Rouge. Oh, playing the Tigers. Tigers, yeah. Tennessee's on a <coughs> little bit of a streak there, yeah, playing ten- well. Tennessee's on a heater. Um, Minus three. I don't know much about LSU this year. I know they're slowly crawling out of the dumpster that they managed to, like, dive headfirst into right after the natty. I don't know too much about them either, but I have no faith in their coach. Oh, Brian Kelly. Um, that, I can't. Yeah. I can't say go Tigers that until weirdo. Brian Kelly's out. So give me the other one. I had no issue with Brian Kelly until he went to LSU and showed off how much of a weirdo he is. And there's no way it's going to work. There's no possible way. No. Unless he like takes a step back, and it, it'd have to be a year removed. Like he'd have to start this upcoming offseason with, all right, guys. I came down here like with the whole wrong mentality and like everything. Like we're starting scratch, 
if he has the ability to do that, all right, he might be able to pull something together. Otherwise, that, that's not that's not doesn't sound like Kelly him. Is. No, so doesn't sound yeah, like him no, at all. It's he managed to like scratch and claw them out of the dumpster that they dove headfirst into after the natty, just to go find a bigger dumpster on fire to like drag the rest yeah. of them into kicking and screaming. Bama is 24-point favorites at home against Texas A&M. Tamu. Uh, uh, uh. Bama, 24 against Tamu. So, Tamu gets the upset on Bama last year. Tamu's head coach makes some comments, and Nick Saban and him have a little back and forth during this offseason. Yeah. This is is this Nick- the game that I was told before the season started to hammer Bama, no matter what it was, Nick take Saban out a second mortgage. Is going to have to explain why he scored so many points after this game. I mean, I'd be fine with that. I have questions about the legitimacy of Bama this year, but I don't know anything about Tamu. So, Tamu lost to Appalachian State. Oh yeah, yeah. So say, I mean, Saban's gone. We knew that ahead of time. Yeah. So Saban is going for the throat. He's. They're going to empty the playbook. They are going to bury these cats. Not a bad time to have a statement game for them either. After Tamu might or Bama might be going into this game how we said Maslin should go against this into Canisius. Like if they if Tamu gets any points at all, Saban is going to have an aneurysm. Nick Saban covers Georgia thirty point favorites at home against Auburn. Oh God, Auburn just fired their head coach. I think. Auburn's down bad. Down real bad. Down bad, boys. They either just fired him or are going to fire him. I can't remember what. I don't know. Wisconsin fired theirs. Yeah. R.I.P. Paul Crest. Um. Yeah, they are going to fire their head coach if something doesn't turn around soon. So, with that, nothing's going to turn around soon. The dogs cover. Yeah, it seems like the coaches that need things to turn around <coughs> to save their jobs don't. Yeah. But as soon as they're gone, like the interim has mm-hmm. a hell of a game, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, firing him was the greatest thing ever. And it's like, well, that's probably more to it yeah, than that. But yeah. <laughs> you know, Any interim head coach is just playing with house money. Yeah. Like you're going for it on fourth and 16, and yeah. all the, all the, oh, you're just going for it. That's a great decision right there. You know, more teams <laughs> should do this. No. <laughs> Michigan minus 22 at Indiana. Indiana. Indiana is sneaky good this year. Michigan's not bad. Or is it Illinois I'm thinking of? Who's the sneaky Who did was who did Wisconsin uh, drop a Illinois has fired? a Illinois has a did you Illinois has a very good defense and when I was watching part of that game I learned that they have the number 1 defense in college football yeah. over the last 12 months. And that's Illinois. Yes. Okay. And they're playing Indiana? They're playing Indiana. So I'm just getting confused then. Okay. Midwestern States start with an I. A couple, couple uh, you know, letters to those names. Easily confusable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Michigan needs a bit of a statement game here. You know, after almost dropping it, to, or after a close one with Maryland. And then, who'd they play last week? Or was that Maryland I'm thinking of? I don't know. I don't pay attention to that much. I know they've been winning. I know they're ranked highly now, but yeah. 
Uh, they're not. I mean, they're not a bad team, but I think Michigan covers twenty-two at Indiana. Okay, and then the Ohio State Buckeyes are twenty-six and a half point favorites walking into Michigan State. Michigan State stinks. Is on life support. Um, Everybody's been calling for the coach's head. Yeah. What Tucker? Yep. Mel Tucker, great name. Not a great coach, so it seems in the moment. Ohio State covers handily. Yeah, I'll go with that. And with that, that usually means we only have one spread left, right? Correct. So you told me this one before we started. I forgot that I did, yeah. But I will say... I would have guessed about I would have guessed Maslin minus forty two. That guess would have been wrong. Robert, why don't you tell the people what the actual spread is? Yeah, I mean before I watched any film of them, I wouldn't have been able to guess this, but uh the local sharps have Maslin minus forty six. Minus forty six. That's a I mean that's a tough spread to cover no matter who you're playing. Yeah, that's a big one. Um let me see what our boy Drew Pester has us at. Go for it. <coughs> Ooh. Camera got messed up at some point. Oh, got a little slidey slide over there. Yep. But you were talking, so I just left it. Fair enough. Pestor, Fantastic 50, D2, Region 7, Madison, Washington. Let's see here. Ah, he has us minus 40. So, I mean, once you get up to those big numbers, it's like... Less accurate, yeah. for sure. It might as well just say... That's like the blowout equivalent of Maslin minus 0.5. Like, you know, it's a... We're going to blow him out of the water, and at that point, it's a pick him. Yeah. So I mean a, a seven touchdown advantage yeah. is quite a spread. So I'd like to say we cover. I'm rooting for us to cover. I want to see us cover so bad we have to answer about it to the papers the next day. Do we? I don't know. Does this team have it in them? Up to the team, really. Yeah. Like I said, come out hot. Stay hot. I mean, we have the ability to cover, but football games are weird. It's how it goes. So, I don't know. I'm still picking Masson W by, you know, a country mile. I don't know if minus 46 is longer or shorter than a country mile, but. Yeah. So, I got for the spreads. That's the spreads. You want to open up the Q&As, see what we got? Yes, sirs. All right. Got a few. Of them. <coughs> okay. Yeah. Was... Came in off the top rope almost as soon as I sent that tweet, too. I was pretty, yeah. I was pretty proud of you guys. Uh, like, oh, my God. They pay attention. <laughs> All right. A question for Black Swarm Podcast to ponder. Considering everybody on the varsity squad, 
who would you be prepared to play at corner in a man-to-man situation against some of the top receivers that we would be likely to face? Um, Like McKinley and Hoban both have receivers worth noting. Who would you want to be defending them man-to-man? starting corners now <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna go and tell trell hey hey kid i know you've been playing running back for the last four years but uh let me teach you how cover four works yeah so i think my answer would be welch yeah he's physical he seems comfortable playing man uh press man he is a little handsy mm-hmm. but i would rather you know, down after down, I'd rather my corner be a little bit over aggressive, mm-hmm. a little too physical. Because, well, for starters, the refs just, even if they do call, like pass interferences, they call holding, they don't call them as much as you do them. Damn right. So you go out there and do it till they you call. do it 10 times, like you get called once or twice, but they're not calling it 10 times, right? So I, I'd rather you be a little over physical and a little extra handsy than softer and give up plays. Uh, I, I think Welch is just comfortable doing that. He, I, I've seen him do it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, he also has the most experience in our secondary. So I think that's who I would pick to do it. And I think we will still play our normal defense. Yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't gotten into McKinley prep and definitely haven't even touched on Hoban whatsoever. But I think we just run our normal defenses or adjust for them how we would normally, I would say. I don't think we're following receivers around with corners too much. No, so my impression of like just watching the highlights and just watching the games without really focusing on it, we keep it left and right corners. Yeah. And for whatever reason we do that, you know, either there's no – big 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 threat receiver um you're saving the corner's legs from just running back and forth Mm -hmm. across the field if nothing else yeah uh so i mean i think that's my answer is welch most experience Mm -hmm. has shown to be the most physical coverage guy um as in getting hands-on receivers and coverage uh also i think he has a little bit more height and length than like Leibor does, so I think that's just another slight advantage yeah. of uh, why I would go with him. And with that, you know, if we're playing man-to-man sticky coverage like that, we're not playing man-free. We almost never play cover one, like a base cover one. Whenever we go man, it's almost always to blitz. So that quarterback's not going to have time to sit, drop back in the pocket, sit there, let his wide receivers work themselves open. You know, I made the joke a couple episodes ago that Welch will bite on any and every double move you throw at him. That quarterback's not going to have time to throw the double move. So you want that physical, aggressive style in a corner. And as you've talked about before, too, wide receivers don't like that. Yeah, You're not used to it. You don't really see it much. It's going to throw him off the game. Mm-hmm. So with that, I'm going Welch too. If you just got an absolute burner out there, I guess I'll take Lennox whenever he gets back. He's got experience out there playing corner. Yeah. 
but Lennox is my number two, I should say. Um, I wonder if, like, theoretically, I mean, of course, theoretically, you could. I wonder if Banks could be taught how to be just a press corner against, like, similar body-typed receivers. Yeah. When you have matchup issues, mm-hmm. could you teach him to go out there and play man with one leverage? You know, don't force him to go side-to-side side kind of thing. <laughs> like, I, you know, so many times we've talked about football <laughs> off-air, um, you know, daily. But, like, when I would play corner, I would love to line up on the inside of receivers and just do not give them the option of running inside whatsoever. Mm. I would force them to run outside of me and I would run with them. And, you know, with that, obviously there's ways receivers can get advantages, but I wonder if you could take somebody like Banks who has that high-end speed that doesn't get talked about enough and just teach him how to, like, kind of press and trail trespass and, like, just be a physical, big-bodied corner. It would have to be against, like... I mean, it wouldn't have to be against... But, like, I, I would use it when a team has a another tall receiver, a possession-type receiver, yeah, um, an extended tight end that causes matchup issues, stuff like that, where they're not shaking you off the line, really. You know, they're not juke masters. They're not the... Mm-hmm. nastiest route runners but you know they're big they might have some speed to go with it like it's probably not anything you'd really practice too much but i'm just wondering how much would it take because he's a good athlete yeah he's a good basketball player he's really fast he's got the size he knows how receivers play could you teach him you know you don't have to teach him all the coverages and everything just like hey can you go out there and like play man situationally I don't it's think, piqued my curiosity now. I don't think I hate that as much as I should. But I don't think I've seen him play a lick of defense in his entire Masson career. So I don't know how much I trust it. Just because it's like mm-hmm. such a whole new world to him that you know, I'm not saying he can't do it if he gets reps at it, but Yeah. What's the what's the time invested to do it? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not something you just go out there and practice it, but yeah. Just, but, I, it, like, I wonder how much practice it would take just to be a viable option in that scenario. In an emergency, like, special, like, oh, shit situation, I wouldn't hate it. Go out there, be a dude. I mean, East St. Louis, people forget how, like, we were down, like, three or four starters. A couple on offense, a couple on defense. I remember Trey Morgan was out there playing Sam for a couple drives yeah so obviously like guys probably get reps at stuff that we don't see on game day but i don't hate that as much as i should yeah i wouldn't like assume he would be a corner naturally but as somebody that doesn't play defense if it's like if i had to stick him out there like i feel like he could be a matchup eliminator yeah. It's also like situations you don't see very often. I mean, how many times do you see teams just throw a guy out on an island because he's a matchup nightmare? You don't see that in high school too much. No, right? almost never. You know, in the NFL, you can see things like that, you know, trying to line up your tight ends against defensive backs that can't cover them or match up with them size-wise or linebackers that can't run with them. 
Uh, I mean, in college, you can get in situations a little bit. Titans are not as much of a focal point in college as much as, like, with the NFL. But in high school, I mean, who knows, you know? <coughs> like, you know, you go back a couple years when Hoban had, like, Clark as a tight end. Mm. You know, if they wanted to put him out wide, like, one-on-one. That's a tough ask for most defensive backs due to size. But At, at that point, I'm going the St. Edge route, what they did to uh, Banks down the stretch of cover one, double 18. Yeah. You know, double the whatever player number he is. Mm-hmm. And just dedicating two guys to him. And also go the Belichick route of your second best corner. Getting the press man double coverage. And then you put your best corner out on an island. Yeah. I think that one would take less. Like real world scenario. That one yeah, would take less I, work to do. But yeah, I, I agree. I, Like I said, I don't hate Banks out there playing press as much as I should. I could just see him burying a cat off the line. Yeah, I mean, he's physical when he wants to be. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of what you'd be looking for. Just a little bit of a press off the line. Because What's the... What's you're the... pressing off the line, you're jamming off the line, but you're not... Most of the time, you're just doing that to... You get yourself in a better position. You are slowing up the receiver a little bit. Throwing off the timing with the quarterback. But it's not like you're trying to <laughs> hold him in place so he can't run a route. Like You know, they still run routes, but... You're just kind of disrupting the timing a little bit, getting him off his steps a little bit. So but. within like the however many yards it is that you can be handsy with the receiver, mm-hmm. how like handsy can five. you be? Can you pancake him? Yes. You just can't hold. I want to see Banks. So pancake. the the rules, as I I believe, the rules for a receiver in a corner would be the same essentially. Yeah. You'd be blocking versus. But let's say let's say like reversed, right? What a receiver can do on a run play is the same as what a corner can do on a pass play, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Because let's say on a run play, if you, the corner can throw the receiver out of the way to get off a block, right? You can grab him and throw him. Mm-hmm. Whereas on a pass play, you can't grab him and throw him because now that's defensive holding, like pass interference, etc. Um, but you could block him the same way a corner can a receiver can block the corner. So yeah, if just as soon as that ball snapped, you want a two hand shove him right in the chest, put him on his ass. You can't. You just can't hold. Do anything you want. You just can't hold. Theoretically, you could sit there and block him off the line so he never releases at all. That doesn't happen because it's so difficult and you get handsy and you're gonna get called out there if you're handsy. So. Um, but, yes, you can just go out there and pancake somebody. Why not? All right, Banks, we're getting you time on the lineman sleds. Mm-hmm. Just line up there, hit a cat. That would be cool. Put him out there against somebody that's not a bigger guy. Yeah. And just jam the hell out of a small receiver. And, like, he'd be so shook. Oh. Uh, just shook. Welcome to the Thunderdome, kid. Mm-hmm. That'd be rough. But, yeah, you know, you can go out there. You can be as physical as you want. You just can't hold. Yeah. I'll take it. So, Shove him, punch him, rock, just ride him out of bounds. Rock his absolute world. Yeah. <laughs> kind of on that note, put out like my fourth string punter and just, you know, actually rock his world. <laughs> <laughs>
Alright, Sean Payton, you know, okay. Oh, man, let's see here. Uh, somebody wants to know why we didn't do podcasts after the state title games. You really want to see us that miserable and hungover talking about it? Yeah, I don't talking know. Talking about, like, the dreams we just watched crumble <laughs> in front of our eyes. We we were going to the one after the first one, right? After the first open game? Yeah. We sat down to do it where I was like, Hank, I don't want to do oh this. Oh, my God. We, we went did. through the whole thing. That. And you're, like, telling me we have to do it. And I was like, no, we don't. I have no contract. And you're like, Rob, we just, like, let's just get it done and over with i was like i want nothing to do with talking about last night or two nights ago or whenever we we're gonna do it. i was like i don't want to talk about it yeah why why nobody wants to talk about this like i don't have any insightful like you know it's like we weren't watching like film breakdowns or anything back then like we weren't gonna go through and tell you about why we think something happened or like it would have just been like weird ramblings about stuff we didn't want to relive yeah um in general, I don't want to do them after state championship games because, like, yeah, it, it is a sorrow time. Um, you don't feel good about it. Uh, there are, you know, you should feel good after a really good season. You won a lot of games. You made it all the way to state championship. Yes, almost anywhere except Maslin, right? You, you know ha- what? You have, one, you have two goals. Beat McKinley, win states. Yeah. Right? That's what we do. Well, we haven't won states in a long time. But we're holding ourselves to that standard. Beat McKinley, win the state championship. That's it. Anything less than that, not great. You know, you can come back the next season <laughs> and be like, all right, yeah, you know, if you said we'd make it to the regional championship, if you said we'd make it to week 15, like, yeah, I take that every time. It was a great season. But not not in the moment. No. Right? Not, not in the moment. You need, a, you need a little bit of time to – a little bit of time off. Yeah. All right? So that's why. That um, – uh, I we've also never really had anybody asking us for them like hey is your is your podcast coming out like is, when's it coming out it's coming out tonight coming out tomorrow it's like uh, no we haven't rec- we we yeah. get those every now and then right if we're yeah. late re- if we're late releasing one we've never received one of those following a state championship game <laughs> I forgot about that we did sit down to do the first one and I'm like okay we it's like I get so far in the just the routine and habit of like okay we got to get this done especially because. 90% of the time, you never even want to do it in the first place. So I'm like, I got to fight you tooth and nail to get going. Mm-hmm. And then I think that moment of realization just hit me like, yeah, we don't actually have to talk. No, about we don't this. have to. this. Last night fucking sucked. I, I don't want to talk about it either. So yeah, it took you long enough, but you finally came to. Yeah. Um, I do want to touch on one thing, though, because after that game, I just remember there was some jackass so vocal on Twitter, like, Oh, we should have did this. We should have did that. But one thing that stuck out to me is like we should have just went five wide and threw it down the field on them all night. Like motherfucker. With the first Tobin yeah. game. Well, we're, if I remember correctly, where we ended up getting our success was the was run running against some of the second half. And also their we entire found good matchups. Their yeah. entire plan was don't let them throw the ball. Ninety yeah. percent of their defense they came out and played two man. Like, mm-hmm. they weren't letting us throw the ball. So if we went five wide, we would have got our asses kicked even worse than we did that game. Yeah, I mean, that's where we found our success. And, you know, yeah. another quarter, another half of a quarter, and we're, <laughs> we get there. I, I, I don't like going back to think about that game because that one was truly the closest one we got. You know, you even go back as far yeah. as the, uh, the Broyles interception that got called an incomplete 
was it completed a, a catch or that got called a catch, a, not a, an interception. An offensive catch, the ball out yeah. of his damn midair. On the first review ever in Ohio high school football history, just the biggest. Like you go back to that. You can go back to why did we should have just run the ball down their fucking throats in the first half on the first drive when Clark doesn't catch the wide ass open flat route on third and short. Oh yeah. The the fake punt where the guy motions to under center and I think when you motion to under center like don't you need to give it a one count or something? That's not a motion. That's a shift, right? S- somebody. No. So I'm trying to think of this as a non-punt situation because yeah. it ended up wasn't. Though they do indicate things based on formation rather than the actual play type. So lining up in a kicking formation, that's mm-hmm. why like some I forget what it is, but there's like certain penalties. Like f- defense, you're not allowed to line up specifically over, over like the over this snap. long snap yeah. or something, right? Yeah. But if he's a regular center, you can, which kind of is the issue with this play. But they'll be like it's so it's based on formation, not the play itself. Okay. So but with that being said, motioning somebody, he doesn't have to come set when he's motioned. If he does come set, he has to wait a full second. So I guess that could get you. But if you're set long enough to get under center and get a snap, that's kind of a second. Yeah. People thought you couldn't do it. Like you're not allowed to do that. It's just a weird rule because you can't line up over the center on a punt. So as you motion this guy in there, he quick snaps it, QB sneaks yeah. to a spot where you weren't allowed to line up defensively. Like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cheating the system but i to the best of my knowledge i don't think there's a rule against it it just sucks yeah that is what it is like you go back to so many points hopefully your defense shifts when the guy gets under center really quick i i don't know i mean there may be a rule about it or they may have added a rule about it but i don't think so i don't think there was and i don't i still don't think there is i don't know if anybody out there actually knows that specific role, hit us up. Like, let us know. But, yeah, you go back to so many points in that game. It's like that was that was the closest we came. Because 2019, yeah. I mean, we came limping into that state championship. You know, we, we slayed the dragon. We beat Hoban in the regionals. We thought we had it won. But we, we had so many injuries. And defensively, we just couldn't stop our front, that offense. Yeah, our front couldn't play with LaSalle. No. So, it is what it is, and here we are, still chasing that dragon. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all I... Okay, I'm done reliving this stuff now. All right, cool. Let's just move on, then. Yep. Uh, Love the film breakdown. It's really insightful. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate you guys. That's, like, that's become my new favorite segment on here. The film? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I wanted to do it because I wanted to break down film, uh... I mean, I understand it is a podcast, so a lot of people listen at work, they listen in the car, you can't watch, but uh, we, we try not to do the film too long. It has gotten away with a, gotten away from us a few times because we enjoy it so much, so it does make it longer, and we understand if you're not skipping through on the podcast, like, on the audio only, like, you know, it makes mm-hmm. it seem like it's a really long podcast, it might scare you away a little bit, but it's usually because the video is too long, so... You can skip through. We put timestamps in for you. You should know this by now. Uh, I mean, if you do listen, we we try to talk in ways to. You can at least listen to it, yeah, right? It's not just. It's not completely just over your head. 
maybe i mean i haven't tried listening <laughs> to it myself but i don't go back and listen to any of our stuff uh yeah me neither do i but you know it's it's on youtube so go check it out at least watch if you watch just the film section like and I think I like, it's 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 good interesting Lord. some people enjoy it like this so and i think like starting with drew and it's been a couple weeks like we tend to have at least insightful comments and stuff not necessarily directly related to the film like while we're watching the film so we do go off on tangents yeah time so time, and there is stuff worth listening to on that audio only portion yeah so i think you could listen just through the whole thing even mm-hmm. during the video but if nothing else go back and you know watch it on youtube also yeah. so and also like subscribe and like it so we see more mm-hmm. that we're getting more than 15 views a week and you know it's still mm-hmm. wor- worth our time to do yeah uh let's see here hoping to see lennox back soon that should really give the opponent something else to deal with i think uh oh this is a separate sentence so yeah hopefully we get one expect soon uh, we've talked about that i mean yeah. it's something we've kind of forgotten about because he got hurt in week two but you know he's he's a dynamic player he's insanely fast he adds something else to our to our game and yeah i mean the biggest thing i wanted going into the season was to be able to use him in ways that defenses have to account for him more you mm-hmm. know I, I think trell is trell he's one of the best running backs you know anywhere so you're not looking to take carries away from him i mean yeah you keep his legs fresh obviously but um i think lennox can add a different dynamic and i think that was the point of this as well so give the opponent something else to do with uh i think that i think the week off so week nine Mm -hmm. will be um will be a huge boost what are your thoughts thinking back to when you play when he played, would you have wanted to have week nine off? I remember reading this when it first came through, and I, I put a little bit of thought into it. But yeah, um, I, I don't know. What's your take on having week nine off? So I didn't really start thinking about this, like, on the whole, until we got the question a few weeks back on what would you want your ideal schedule to look like? And I was like, yeah, you do want week nine to be kind of a cupcake, kind of an easier thing. You don't want to get emotionally drained going into McKinley Week. Yep. Um, so that's why I said, you know, bring on Bishop Sycamore. Um, week 9 off, I don't know if I like that. I mean, I like the fact that we still have a team coming in. The JV team gets to play. Mm-hmm. However, the coaches need to find ways to keep the varsity engaged during that week going into that, you know, on the sideline, whatever, that's going to be a new challenge for them because, you know, they're kids. They're going to get bored. Like, we're here to play football, and they don't get to play football. At least, like, when the Canadian teams would come in, starters knew, like, hey, we got at least a drive or two that we got to play. Yeah. So I don't know if I necessarily like the week off as a whole, but I do like the idea of letting the – starters the varsity like the kids that are gonna gonna get a lot of playing time get that rest kind of get that extra let their body take a breather going into the game and to the just to the last point of what i've wanted a week off i wouldn't when i played i wouldn't have wanted a week off but i would have absolutely loved to know that i'm playing on friday night that would have been sweet besides putting my helmet on and staying on the sideline for 60 minutes yeah that is uh yeah, that's one way to look at it. Uh, I was kind of thinking about it, and when it first came through, 
I was thinking that it may not have made much of a difference when we played. Having the week off, I mean, it gives some kids that are maybe a little banged up time to recover. Mm-hmm. It also limits the possibility of getting hurt <coughs> that week. But you don't play football to avoid injuries. Yeah. You don't you can't really account for that. They happen when they happen. You never know. If you played football to avoid injuries, then you would never step on the field in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean like you don't coach football to avoid injuries either. Yeah. Right? You you go out there, you get stuff done, you have you know, you, you take players out when it's acceptable, but you're not mm-hmm. doing it you don't sit kids because oh what if they got hurt. You right? play you play smart, you don't mm-hmm. play scared. So I think there is that inherent benefit of just, you know, no chance of somebody getting hurt in a game that you're not playing. Mm -hmm. You have some players that could rest up. I don't think that was really a factor when we played. I don't remember anybody being, like, Limping stretch. Yeah. Um, I I think for us, it was better to have a Week 9 game. Because there were still plenty of things that you needed to work on, get better at. Mm-hmm. I think some of your more polished teams, um, Maslin's played so many games over mm-hmm. the last four or five years, right? They have an extra year or two of experience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, over five years, not the individual players. But, you know, we, we played an extra like, 15, 20 games. So three, in four years, you know, so two real state championship runs, one COVID season state championship run, mm-hmm. uh, final four appearance, and a couple, and a regional final. I mean, there's over two seasons, yeah. in that just postseason games. Yeah, so I think the teams are a little bit more polished now than when we played. That also has to do with you know some overall coaching. But, Which we've talked to death. Feel free to go back and listen to us shit on Jason Hall again. <laughs> uh, so I think for us, we needed it. Needed an, the week of game. And like, yeah, it could be a cupcake because sometimes you want to go out there and work on your stuff, but you want mm-hmm. you want it to work. You want to see the success of the plays, right? You don't want to go out yeah. there and struggle. You want to incorporate all the things you've been working on and watch them work. So that's the, that's the benefit of playing a lesser opponent. So I think, yes, I would want to play a game. I'd probably want it to be an easier opponent. And something I've talked about before is just there's so much going on during McKinley Week. Mm -hmm. So many events. If you're a captain, if you're a senior, you're doing stuff six days a week i mean like starting on sunday you have stuff monday you're you have you know you got booster club on monday touchdown club on tuesday uh team breakfast wednesday team breakfast on wednesday uh sideliners on third or friday friday parade and sideliners on friday and the rally on friday thursday there's probably something like Mm -hmm. you got stuff every single day of the week that you're doing and you know it's nice that you don't have much schoolwork if any during the week yeah but there's just so much going on that it's not distracting there's just a lot so yeah you want to kind of come out of week nine feeling good ready for week 10 and everything that goes with it so yes i would want to play a game week nine yes i would want it to be an easier to you know it doesn't have to be canada yeah it doesn't have to be a team where you're favored by 50 points 
but a team that you think you can have success working on your your stuff with them. Um, and like now, it, like I said, now it might not be as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You, if you have an exper- if you have an older team, if you have an experienced team, and it changes things a little bit. I mean, right right now we're kind of a younger team this, still, but this just occurred to me: we do have experience with a bye week. 2020 with that COVID season, when they first expanded the playoffs, we had a bye mm-hmm. week one. Yeah. So they, like, this is not uncharted waters for the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, it also helps that it's going into McKinley. Yeah. It's not like you have a bye week going into Fitch or a bye week going into Guano. I mean, different teams. But, like, it's or, not it's not as important as McKinley. You can go to the seniors tomorrow. Uh, you can go to the seniors the Saturday after Canisius, right, during walkthrough, and be like, hey, it's McKinley week. Mm-hmm. Weeks. Strap it up, right? We already know, like, the teams do, like, McKinley drills and stuff throughout the year. They like incorporating McKinley week into things all year long because it's an important thing all year long. So I think you can still get the kids engaged. You just have to reiterate that, hey, it's McKinley week now. I think with that, too, is where it comes in being a coach, like being able to manage the kids. Because if you have two straight weeks of McKinley week, that's going to be emotionally draining in and of itself, mm-hmm. like physically. Like you come in, I would imagine it's a lot, e- a light lighter workload. Yeah, on week nine, you know, give them maybe like an extra day in shorts. Um, but maybe a little bit more film, less physical. But I mean, you know how it is. Like, okay, we got McKinley next. Mm-hmm. Like, you come into practice, you're jacked up, you're ready to go. It's like it's Christmas time. You are, you're ready to play right then and there. How are you going to handle that when McKinley's two weeks out? Yeah. So, well, I mean, you're building into it. I mean, what what other option do you have? You can either tell the kids it's a week off. Mm. Or you can tell them, like, we're getting ready for McKinley, right? Yeah. I, I think those are the only two options. You can't go into it saying, hey, we're getting ready for JV Canada prep. Like, <coughs> you know, they're not going to be engaged at all. Mm. So It's just how do you manage that extra week of mm-hmm. Christmas time excitement, yeah. the jacked upness that everybody's going to have. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a test. But like I said, it's not a bye week's not uncharted waters for us. Um even if most of the kids playing now weren't necessarily varsity players or even old enough to be on the team at that point. Yeah. So the coach is going to have a little more experience with it, know how to manage them. It's going to be up to them a little bit, I think, to pull back the reins. Like, hey, let's let's tone it down a little bit. Like you said, okay, we're just going shells right now. <clears throat> a little more walkthroughs. Even just... I remember my senior year when we for Canada Week. It was like the Tuesday or Wednesday practice. Coach was like, Coach, Jesus Christ. Jason Hall came into the team room. He's like, Yeah, we're actually gonna go watch a movie. And we went and watched Taken Two. And that was our <laughs> that was our practice that night. Yeah. So something like that, like change it up, loosen yeah, it up. Yeah, absolutely. Fun. Yeah, having breaking up the routine a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um I think that has a much bigger impact than people might think. You know, for these kids that have been doing football six days a week since, uh, Be- I mean, I don't know. Beginning when, of August? When did they start? Yeah, you know, yeah. doing camp days before that and everything. So, I mean, these kids have been doing football six days a week for <clears throat> months, right? Mm-hmm. No days off. So, 
mixing it up a little bit, giving them that one free day or just a relaxed day, like it, it really does have a have a big impact on them. So, yeah, maybe you have a, a day where it's like, hey, we're just going to really break down some McKinley film, like get into small, maybe watch team, break into small groups because, you know, if you're watching film in a team setting for too long, like yeah. you, you, you zone out. You check out. So break down, get into small groups, whatever, you know, order a pizza, like <laughs> – uh, get with your position coach and just watch some film. Actually, like, really break it down. Say, hey, mm-hmm. this player, like, get into the nuances of their game. Like, he really likes to do this. He has tells when he does this. Like, little things you notice when you just watch a lot. Because, like... And it's a day off, so... And having another set of eyes on film mm-hmm. is is so helpful. Absolutely. Like, you can't watch everything. There's yeah, no way. you're not going to be able to see everything. <coughs> <coughs> Holy hell. You're... Even the stuff you do watch, you might not, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So you might not know stuff you're not picking up on. Like when I watch film with you in in the film room segment, you know, you're pointing out stuff like, oh, this quarterback has a wonky throwing motion. Like I wasn't watching that when I was grabbing this stuff for yeah. the show. Like I, that's not something that stuck out to me. And then he said it and it's like, looks like a mix up Peyton Manning and John Heisman. Like, yeah, it is funky. So it's like having that. <laughs> that just different perspective on it is such yeah. a big help and yeah find some ways to break up the monotony of it all it's it's going to be interesting to see how this coming week goes and i mean it's going to be a test for the coaches i think it's like it it's a it should be a fun challenge for them like how do we manage this you know mm-hmm. it's on it is and isn't uncharted waters at the same time, and that kind of stuff for me is like it, it, that's exciting. It's like it's new problem solving. It's like okay, new challenges. Like what are we gonna do for this? So, yeah, I have nothing else to add on that one. Um, do we have any more questions tonight? I think that was it. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, if that's it, that's it. Um. Like I said at the top of the show, like if you think of something like right now while you're listening to the episode for next week, if yeah, if you think yeah. of something in the future, uh, before like I said, we normally record on Tuesdays. Like tonight just happened to be on a Wednesday. That's how our schedules fell. Um, just send us stuff to talk about, questions, comments, mm-hmm. anything. Like yeah, the one thing that I really want to touch upon next week is kind of like activities for McKinley Week. Mm. Because by the time we get a McKinley one out, you know, even if we start them early, like we have in the past, like it still comes out in the middle of the week or yeah. early, there's activities that have already started or whatever. So I think we can talk about some of the upcoming activities next week. Mm. It gives us more time to maybe focus on individual things or the game itself or just a more traditional podcast like this. And we kind of already got that out of the way or whatever um i mean there are some big things to talk about like the tailgate yeah i mean that's that's a that's a fan favorite gonna have a sponsorship this year yes a a sponsored tailgate this year that you are cordially invited to every one of you so you dear listener yeah if you're listening to this you should be coming to the tailgate north lot halfway up the hill on the like on the edge Big black bus, hard to miss. Lots of smoked meats. Yeah, I mean, when we say it's sponsored, uh, we're gonna have a lot of food, mm-hmm. uh, barbecue, meat smoked overnight. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be. We'll get into it next week, but 
it's going to be an event as it always is but we didn't get to experience it two years ago so it's been you know four years since we've had a true home home mckinley game mckinley game tailgate it's been two years since i've had a mckinley game tailgate in person like you know, I, I yeah, was, you missed out last year. I was on the other side of the world last year. I so. am itching to go, man. <laughs> so it's it's going to be a great time. We'll get into the details more. But, yeah, send us anything you want to hear about. Um, in general, we are sports fans. This is a sports podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're not going to, like, touch on politics. But, like, ask us questions about anything. And, you know, we'll, we'll try to talk about some stuff. Like, what, you don't want the show to crash and burn on week nine? <laughs> Not week nine. <laughs> Maybe someday, but not week nine. Um, yeah, I mean, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Browns, Hank's a Bengals fan. In general, we pay, we pay attention to the NFL quite a bit. So I try and stay you know, I don't, up to date with college football as a whole. He does more than I don't pay attention to college that much. The first half of the season is kind of like, you know, you get yeah, all these teams. The, the non-conference games just throw it off for me. Once we get into more conference play, like I watch the Ohio State games, but mm-hmm. outside of that, like I don't pay attention to college football as a whole. But yeah, we can talk about college football, talk about the Browns, the Bengals, the NFL in general, fantasy football, uh, baseball, Cleveland Guardians. Uh, You're the had, baseball guy. Had a hell of a year. I, I follow it enough that I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't watch many baseball games at all but i i pretty much get the box scores or the highlights of like every game i follow them on twitter so i see what happened each night um i follow sports personalities to talk about it so i mean i can talk cleveland baseball and uh so i mean that's it, it's a talkable event right now yeah. so you know they went from projected last in the division to winning the division it went a runaway put up 90 wins so good for them but Cavs season is coming up. Got four All Stars on the team. <laughs> That's exciting. Uh, we can talk about anything. So even outside of that, like you know, just whatever you want to. Yeah, talk it doesn't about. have to be sports, but guns, cooking, working out, outdoorsy stuff, barbecuing meats. Yeah, yeah. smoking meats, um, DIY stuff. How to fix the brakes on your car? Yeah, how to fix the <laughs> brakes on your car. Um, revamping a beamer that you bought for like $800 from a dude on Facebook and then leaving it to sit halfway done for eight months. Yeah, I told you as soon as you helped me throw that subframe back under there, I'll bolt it in, but... Say the word. Not tonight, but... Oh, not like, t- no, absolutely not tonight. <laughs> Just literally any time, say the word. It's going to suck because like we're going to have to... You know, pulling it out was one thing, but yeah. pushing it back under is kind of different. <laughs> You don't say. Yeah, pulling's easier than pushing. But yeah, um, yeah we. Well, right, yeah, if anybody wants to know the nuances of the BMW E46 body style <laughs> and how to potentially convert it into a race car, Rob's your guy. Rob is your guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that, that's all I got tonight. You know, a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. But until then, we got Friday night to take care of. Go Tigers. Be Canisius. Beat Canisius.